What's up, everybody? Hello, world. My name is Damon Williams, and I am the co-host and co-creator of a little show called Ergo. I am out here without my usual partner in liberatory crime. <laughs> uh, Daniel is back home in Chicago, uh, but I was out here for a very, very special event uh, that happened yesterday at Howard Law School with the Rising Majority, uh, an event with the squad. Uh, so I got some guests with me, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but just give a little bit of context of what happened yesterday, who I am, and why we're here. Tell a little bit about yourself, and maybe, I don't know, I, I hate school, but if you want to say what you're studying, if that feels interesting or significant <laughs> to the world, that space is available. But, but please introduce yourself to the people here. Oh, and shout out Eden for having us. I'm very yeah. sorry. Thank you, Jamil. Thank you, Eden DC. This is a wonderful, beautiful space for those who are uh, not watching from, from their stream uh, and that are coming to it from, from the Ergo audience. Know that this is an amazing space if you're in DC. Uh, this is a, a radical hospitality or a hospitality space for radical. I, I messed up their tagline because I'm new, but that's the idea. <laughs> and I didn't know that shit existed. And that's hot fire. I see a taste of power and waiting to the midnight hour over in the side. Uh, so the black radical tradition is in this space. So that means I feel comfortable and at home. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's hard to like mix our tradition and our values with capitalism. And I'm in here looking at it and it seems like it's happening better <laughs> it's than I've out. seen anywhere else. <laughs> so this shit looks fly. So beautiful, beautiful black people, please introduce yourselves to the world and let them know who's here. Okay, peace y'all. My name is Destiny. Um, Destiny Harris, I'm an organizer, um, police abolitionist, environmental justice organizer from the west side of Chicago, gang, bra, bra. gang, gang, <laughs> um, and I am currently here in D.C. because I attend the illustrious Howard University, um, doing a little student organizing on campus around militarism, continuing my work in police abolition, and jumping into the new field of environmental justice work is what I've been doing recently, and also, I'm I'm a poet, an artist, an organizer, um, and so all of those things have intersected for me um, since the moment I stepped foot into the organizing world in Chicago. Um, and so, yeah, I've been throwing down for a few years. No Damon from doing a lot of work, from doing like organizing in the city of Chicago. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's a little bit about me and who I am. Um, my name is Folashde Vashina, and I study at Howard University as well. My primary source of study is interdisciplinary studies, and in that, I focus on bioethics, specifically because I plan to become a physician in the future, and I want to be a physician that focuses on the health disparities faced by marginalized communities, but specifically Black women. And I felt like focusing on bioethics would be the best way to be a well-rounded physician. Aside from that, I also advocate for LGBTQ plus issues, yeah. issues across the world, um, anti-militarism and things and anti-police just anti-police not even like because you know a lot of people they try to like face theirs about like restructuring the police oh, department police all that we're getting rid of it <laughs> like, period. but uh, and um basically i just advocate for the people who don't have voices to advocate for themselves and need voices to advocate for themselves hello my name is nasir kumar pouncey and I'm a freshman architecture major at the Ooh. illustrious Howard University. Y'all gonna keep throwing this illustrious. Yes. Yeah. We know y'all go to Howard, have to all right? Say illustrious or it's it. not right. <laughs> they, they take away my diploma if I don't. <laughs> what y'all illustrating? No, I'm just saying. They're watching right now, so you have to let them go. I have a double minor in um, Spanish and African American studies, and I I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I have some organizing protest act. Um, 
experience over down there, and I we just recently got involved at Howard University, so I'm very excited to see right. where this goes. Well, I'm invigorated right now. Not only was yesterday an amazing day, and it felt historical and energizing and recharging, but being here with y'all right now is actually super exciting. Uh, it would probably have been corny if I came up here by myself. It, it's kind of funny. We we started this show, and we used to use the language like strong young voices. It was very much about like we're the young people at the front line, and then like we got consistent and committed, and been doing the show for a while. And I looked up. I'm not that young no more. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I encourage y'all. I, I, I appreciate y'all. Uh, well, I do encourage you, but I appreciate y'all for for bringing a little bit more of a youthful spirit. And what really excites me before we get into conversation um, is hearing all of y'all say you're going into or starting your formal, you know, institutional academic life mm -hmm. with the lens of abolition, right? Mm -hmm. Like I did not get that until I left that space. Um, and I needed, you know, some of the educational space to like prepare me to understand it. Uh, but it really, I'm happy and proud of y'all, but it also feels like a successive movement that young mm. people, uh, that yeah. was not the case five and 10 years ago mm -hmm. of young people going into institutions with that type of logic and that type of consciousness. So yeah. I am excited and affirmed right now. All right, let's chop it up. So we have a tradition here at Ergo. Uh, it's a two-part question that we're going to ask all of you um, and, and take a second to think about it if you need it. Uh, but in this time, and define time however you will, Social so, construct. Social construct. <laughs> so it could be this day, this hour, this season, this lifetime. In this time, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? <laughs> this is how we do it. It is. Yeah, let's warm this space up. <laughs> In this time, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? Yep. <laughs> 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 mm. In this time, let me think. In this time, I mean, this is in this time, like always, capitalism is beating my ass. Mm. <laughs> it's just like uh, every day is it's the job. same thing. Um, yo, in this time, the world is actually like teaching me a lot of lessons, getting into this new work of um, anti-militarism, anti-war. It's kind of expanding my organizing on kind of like an international scale. Because mm -hmm. like I said, I got into grassroots organizing through uh, organizing directly with local issues happening in Chicago. And not that those issues are unique to Chicago. They actually exist in a lot of urban communities, black and brown communities, poor communities across the states, but really expanded my scope beyond how these issues just affect us domestically mm -hmm. and how these issues affect us um, you know, internationally and like uh, uh, international black collective struggle and what that looks like. So the world has been um, opening my eyes to that, learning a little bit more about that. And what's the second part of the question? How? So how are you treating the world? No, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? I think I'm treating the world good. <laughs> I mean, I'm organizing, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, fighting, like, um, yeah, like demanding people be treated like people and also like demanding we give back the resources that belong to the earth, you know, mm, and treat sure. the resources that belong to the earth mm. as if like they don't last forever, you know? Um, and so I think I'm doing my little part to make the world a better place. At least I hope so. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and doing this work. Um, Cause at the end of the day, you know, we're fighting for all people in mm -hmm. this work, work and like my liberation is tied to Nasir's liberation. It's tied to the liberation of folk in Hong Kong. It's mm -hmm. tied to the liberation of everyone. Yeah. So yeah. Work. Okay. For me, I don't really, um, it's kind of hard to say like, 
how is the world treating me? Like, I read the news every every morning. My favorite news section is, like, the world news. Because yeah. <laughs> we know the American news is just Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. And it's too much. It's, but, okay. But, like, as far as it, go, as far as it goes with um, how the world is treating me, I feel like I can really only speak on the world around me and how that's treating me. And right now, the world around me and my environment is treating, treating me very well. I'm being exposed to a lot of new activists and people like yourself did and like <laughs> just really making great connections network and seeing and seeing something disinterested really come off the ground and like to form into a movement and it's just been lovely and i feel like i'm just like destiny treating the world pretty well i, I do my part <laughs> i feel like i feel like we're, i'm putting goodness into the world um personally Whenever I speak of like how the the world is treating me, um, I also like to look through the scope of my travels because um, I've done a lot of like world traveling and things of that nature. And through going to other countries and stay and stuff like that, it's been like a different experience compared mm-hmm. to how my day to day life is living in Texas, which I didn't say that's where I'm from, but I'm Shout from out. Texas. <laughs> Shout out. Um, and it's. I feel like the world, as both of my uh, co-hosts have said, the world is teaching me plenty of new things. Um, Being able to immerse myself and see other cultures is teaching me things that can be applied to my own advocacy and organization. And it's really teaching me about the strife and struggles that other people go through that a lot of the times through American exceptionalism and centralism, you don't really get to see Mm -hmm. in your own personal day-to-day life. And I personally feel like that's very important because a lot of times, even though we like to believe that we're doing things for like everybody across the world and that we're no, that we're very different from like the other Americans in this country. It's a very common thing for Americans to be only concerned with what directly affects them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the world has definitely taught me about how everyone else's issues are just as important as Mm -hmm. mine and can be focused on as well. Um, Mm. Through that, I feel like I'm treating the world relatively well (laughs) since I've learned those things. Yeah, that's yeah. good work. <laughs> now, yeah, I mean, again, I'm I'm, I'm very proud of y'all. Uh, and so, actually, let me do it. Let me do it formally. So, uh, Destiny, you don't know this, or maybe you do, but ergo, we we formally use gas as a practice of facilitating here. So, I'm gonna gas you up a little bit, and sometimes that makes people uncomfortable. So, I just wanted to like give you. Now I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna let gas you up, and then also as I gas you up, maybe could have said this before, Mike, but I, I I trust you to also co-facilitate this conversation. I don't be have to be the only question asker, and you actually know uh, the guest better than I. So mm-hmm. you have the power to shape this conversation <laughs> with me as we go through it. All right? all right, cool. So now the gas. Oh man, <laughs> I am. I am so. You know, we we don't know each other like super duper well. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I we are familiar and I, shared I, space. we have shared space, and I'm so so uh, extremely proud of you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're you're, you're you're living and 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 walking and moving in a, in an amazing way. Um, and actually, it might be it might have just come out yesterday. I'm a little. I've been traveling a lot, so my like sense of time is disoriented uh but we have an episode coming out with debbie um and we talked about you significantly in that wow, right because really? uh well we kind of came out in this conversation and also your name came up like just drinks around the bar last night um in some ways you are a living embodiment of like the dreams of this work 
right? Like to be able to, as a young person to come into a space, to be able to learn new ideas, to get a vision of the world, a few set of skills and strategies, uh, and then to take that and continue that on uh, as you develop and as you go through your maturation process and what you're doing now with We Are Dissenters, you know, coming out of like the No Cop Academy and all the things we could talk about a little bit in more detail, coming out of that legacy is really, really important and historical. Um, and you are a breathing re- record realization that we are winning. Oh, so <laughs> y'all gonna make me cry. <laughs> we do show. this. That's what we do. We gas up. So, so with that, let's Thank let's. You so you're very welcome. Can so, I hug you? Yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, radical, so, y'all, radical love. Sure. So, so let's just let's just be grounded in this moment right now, kind of out of what I was just saying. Of uh, Ergo is really excited and wants to be in, in close partnership or a part participant of what this We Are Dissenters movement is. Uh, it feels really vital and really uh, centrally significant to to where we need where the discourse needs to be. Uh, so, from your perspective, uh, you know, how did you find or get connected to that work, and what does it mean for you? and within yourself um so i would say um so like i said i kind of keep repeating this common thing of me getting into community organizing in chicago not because i wanted to but because it was necessary Mm -hmm. right all the decisions that were being made within the city were affecting my life directly from closed schools my my elementary school got closed down by Rahm Emanuel to the cop academy being built in my community to the cop academy a current cop academy being door to door with my high school so all of these issues were directly affecting me and that's kind of how i got into organizing and through um being an organizer with No Cop Academy, I kind of got more involved with work around police divestment slash police abolition and mm-hmm. what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of wanted to, going into college, I kind of wanted to expand my work, you know, beyond uh, how these the issues going on in Chicago and kind of expand my work. And I realized very easily that there's a direct correlation between militarization and police mm-hmm. and how police operate, right? Uh, the we, we could talk about numerous instances. We could talk about how uh, John Birch would... Um, uh, torture uh, queer and trans folks with war tactics he learned from the Vietnam War, right? Mm. We could talk about how um, heavily militarized um, the tactics that the Chicago Police Department uses, right? Um, And even beyond that, um, militarization is everywhere, Right. right? We could talk about the fact that almost every male in my family was in the military, right? Mm. My dad served in the Navy for four years. And mm. the reason he went was because he was poor. And they recruited him and they said, yo, you know, come to the military, we'll pay for your college, right? Mm. Um, can, I, that, can I stop right there? Yeah. yeah so so I, was, I want to hear more about that family, because then that, I'm sure, makes your relationship to this work nuanced yeah. in certain ways. So how, how, are you and your dad in discourse you around know, this anti-militaristic um, view you're taking? So... Not necessarily discourse, but I don't know. My parents are like kind of like how most organizing parents are. They're kind of like mm, organizing. That's a little dangerous. <laughs> what you doing? We're more my, just worried about my, you. My my, yeah. my grandma called me the other day after she we had we had led a um, banner job on Howard's campus. And my grandma called me the other day when she found out about it, and she was like, "You're in school to get an education, not to lead a revolution." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I can do both at the same time." Um, or like, yeah, no, what if I am? In yeah, what if like, that is my education? I am in school to, to shake the table. Like, <laughs> what you mean? Um, but yeah, so like. Like I said, all of the men in my family were in the military. And even though they're out of the military, I don't think they still like full, fully grasp the fact that it 
it was kind of like a trap, you know, mm-hmm. even through, mm-hmm. even having through, been through that and like being out of the military now, I, I still don't think they're fully aware of like the harm mm. that going to the military uh, kind of like produces and whatnot. And so that makes this work seems seem more uh, urgent to me. Mm. I, I try in my work to, you know, to realize and recognize that these issues aren't isolated, but mm-hmm. they're very interconnected. And one example of that directly is, like I said, how the police are and how heavily militarized they are, how all the men in my family were targeted, how like in nearly every black and brown school in the city of Chicago, there's a military recruiter who mm-hmm. comes often, right? right, right. Um, and just recognizing that, you know, this work is connected. And like I said, more recently, I've gotten involved with work around environmental justice and the Green New Deal and how, like, climate change affects communities of color first and most. Mm -hmm. And, like, climate change is exacerbated by war, you know? So, like, all of these issues are heavily interconnected, and that's kind of, like... Yeah, our survival depends on it. It's actually not that complicated what you want to take a look at. (laughs) You know, (laughs) war kills the earth, right? Mm -hmm. And kills people. (laughs) You know, it's Mm -hmm. just, like, it's, it's, it's very all interconnected and so that's kind of like why this work resonates for me and kind of how i got involved um in dissenters yeah and debbie yeah. was actually one of the people since we're mentioning family. debbie yeah, was out. like yo like you should check out we are dissenters because i i had attended a um the war resistors um from new york had led a um anti-mill d-mill school mm. back in march 20 2019 and mm-hmm. i was like yo this is really dope like what i never <laughs> knew this like i know what militarism is but kind of like putting a word to it putting right. terminology to right, it makes right. it all the more easier right. to like process and so yeah that's kind of how i um got into this work yeah um, so, so i, I want to you know just keep doing that interplay between the like this very macro structural uh, and also like the more internal, uh, personal. Uh, the thing that I think that you're saying that's really valuable that I try to stress to people is let's discuss police within the language of militarism, mm-hmm. right? Like let's not say that the police, like let's not say the police are getting more militarized. The police are municipal mm-hmm. military agencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think just having that language then makes people, uh, gives people the room to then just be a little bit more critical because then they understand uh, that they don't want to be militarily occupied. Yeah. Um, but so I, I put, I'm gonna put myself in this of like just the, the the complexities of having to deal with the contradictions of mm-hmm. like life, right? Uh, so as someone who is very committed to the legacy and tradition of Black liberation work, uh, what I recognize as probably a central contradiction to that tradition is the role of hypermasculine patriarchy, right? Uh, and so not on some like woe is me or applaud me i i feel in the same way that like white people have to be accountable for white supremacy as a black man mm-hmm. as particularly a cishet black man who mm-hmm. occupies space in, in movement uh that is of my responsibility to focus on so thank you for the snaps uh but the, <laughs> <laughs> i take them all uh but but the, the the i'm using this as an analogy um what I then learned, because I, I have an intimate relationship with black masculinity and black men and black men who have and will continue to be harmful, uh, I have a, a, um, a deeper sympathy and empathy and understanding for how a lack of consciousness or how a normative consciousness leads towards a tradition of harmful behavior. Mm-hmm. So then I... And so then what that leads me... What's really scary about that is if I continue that logic, I then have to see those who are not actually benefiting from but are complicit in white supremacy who identify as white similar to like those who are are complicit in patriarchy who Mm -hmm. identify as man um they need to be transformed 
right? And that they are not um, a monolithic evil, right? And so like there's a, it's very uncomfortable to say, right? Like it's been kind of fuck white people for the last however long, yeah. and, and, and they and they've there's a they've earned that that position in some way, right? But that's not actually the truth, right? Like if we nuance it there, it's actually we need to transform humanity. So I'm saying that to then go through the contradiction or the tension of growing up in a military family mm-hmm. and having the sympathy of, oh my my father was harmed by joining this institution that is harming the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, police, I believe. Are doing a bad job right not in the sense of like they are poor performers but their job is not good work mm-hmm. right like it is dangerous it is unhealthy it is dehumanizing uh and so but it's hard to have sympathy for any cop right like it's fuck 12 i should get that tattoo that should, yeah. that should maybe be my first tattoo yeah um oh, you, idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so i i i, I don't know that that's, that that was a long way to get to that question but do you see that like kind of tension that i'm trying to name of like since you have military folks in your family Mm -hmm. does that then give you any time where you have to complicate how you view police and policing yeah i think it's hard because people aren't disposable right Mm, right um and the military kind of tells us otherwise that people are disposable and so when you have these i don't know i just really sympathize with them because i know that there was a lack of consciousness kind of like how you said i know it was a trap that doesn't take away from the fact that they went to the military my dad went to the military during i think 2002 so it was right after the war on terror right right? Mm -hmm. so literally just like harming innocent folks in the middle east right Mm -hmm. it doesn't take away from the fact that he did that but making him understand that like military the military as like a system is not where it's at. It's just like <laughs> something that I'm trying to do. And also, like a lot of folks think this issue of militarization is like very far removed, right? You know, mm-hmm. it don't really affect us. You know, what the U.S. does overseas, it's not a lot of business. We can't really see militarization. Right. But like, I, my goal is to like combat that directly. Militarization mm-hmm. is in our day to day lives to kind right. of make it personal. Like I said, like black and brown folks are the folks who are targeted the most, right. the most right. by. The military, right? right? They are in our schools. Militarization is on our streets, and it's not mm-hmm. an issue of like, yeah, that, that happens overseas, right? We can't see that. My, my, I try and really make it, really make it personal. So yeah, there's like, there's always going to be discourse. It's kind of how like when you be like, yo, fuck twelve, and then you have a police officer in your family. Right. It's like, exactly. yo, it's still fuck twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love you, but it's still I, fuck twelve. I kind of can relate to this question because my because um. Two of my uncles went and fought, two of my grandmother, like great uncles, I call them uncles, but grandmother's brothers went and fought in the war. I think it was, one was Vietnam, one, yeah, they were both Vietnam, actually. They both came back with addictions and ended up dying from those addictions. Mm, right. And um, even with that, even like, so I have the military in my family, but I also have police officers in my family. Their brother was a police officer and he even acknowledges how corrupt and messed up the system is because he was a police officer in Chicago during the 70s and 80s and it's just i can i can understand what exactly what y'all are saying yeah. like that yeah. so, so talk to me then you guys are all together in this formation uh i i, I want to tease out the story of like how it came together in the space but i i i think i would rather start with what do y'all see the work being right like y'all are on campus um, the center's model is is focusing on let's organize these campuses as a way to get out into communities. Um, so for y'all, whether it's tangible, like three to six month timeline, or like holistically, what do you see your piece of the work being in this formation? Y'all want to talk? I've been talking a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, 
specifically talking about Howard campus since out of the three of us I've been on campus the longest um the I feel like it has to be like it's not really a thing that you can set on a timeline yeah because Howard students are not a monolith so as um trying to organize with the Howard population it's it's a little difficult to try to uh, sway certain people that mm-hmm. may have certain ideologies that a lot of them learn from their parents because yep. we've they, you've been in that household your whole life and you you don't really think to question oh maybe my parent is a bigot or something mm-hmm. like that so um, <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so um, I feel like it's something that you have to think of like holistically rather than like on a timeline because you're going to get different people in different ways that are going to have mm-hmm. different connections that are just going to make them like it's going to make it click for them mm-hmm. that it may not make it click for somebody else at that time. And I feel like not putting it on a timeline also removes the capability of feeling like you failed because um, in my personal experience, there was a friend of mine, a um tried to organize Howard participation in the um, protest against the war on Iran. And there wasn't very much like, like people people were like, yeah, yeah, woo, we're going to do it. It's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And the day of, it was me, her, her boyfriend, and one other person. Mm -hmm. And she felt like she failed. And you have to like, one, figure out that not everybody is going to participate in advocacy the same way. And then also the fact that not everybody is going to come to things as quickly as we'd like them to. Yeah. Um, so with doing We Are the Centers on um, Howard Campus, even though I haven't been involved for that long, I do understand that it is something that like we have to approach from many different mediums mm-hmm. um, in order to get like the amount of participation that a lot of people would imagine coming from Howard's campus because mm-hmm. a lot of people think of Howard as like you know really big protesting and yeah because yeah. it's it's a black body and it's it's a historical black body mm-hmm. so I feel like um, being on Howard campus and organizing on Howard campus is something that like it's very delicate and it's something that is very um, nuanced. Mm. Yeah. So I feel like. I feel like Howard watch people, so I don't want to get y'all in trouble. Nah, y'all are trouble. Y'all are political troublemakers. So, I, I, I want to be respectful, but I, there, there is a, a tradition where I, I'll go back to myself, right? Like in Chicago, particularly, I think where there, there's like this uh, concentration of black power, if we want to say. So, for folks who know the city, I feel like. We kind of underestimate like the wealth and influence mm-hmm. of folks like east of King Drive from about 35th to about 63rd, right? Like at just like a mainstream global national level, like the headquarters or the homes of Barack Obama, Jesse Jackson, and Farrakhan are like within a square mile of each other, mm-hmm. right? So we could argue that those are the three most significant living black figures, or, or you know, we could be critical of all of their legacies, which I am. Uh, but just in terms of like normative impact, those are the names that will like come up in like a black history report type of thing. And they like live right next to each other. And I think that that is a, an example of, uh, I think the, the elite power that yeah. is over there. So what I'm trying to like carefully get into is something that I am become really critical of, have learned to reject, had some proximity to is like black elitism. Oh, and just how, yeah. how 
how <laughs> counter and contradictory it is to mm-hmm. our well-being, but particularly our liberation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would name or I would view Howard as a citadel mm-hmm. of American black elitism. So That's absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. as you're on that space, you know, talking about these radical and global issues um, that are connected to a grassroots tradition and connected to a more uh, popular uh, anti-capitalist lens. Uh, I imagine there's a lot of like, you know, normative mm-hmm. shit that y'all have to deal with. Y'all not dealing with white people, right? That's not your target that you're moving first line, right? right. So, so yeah. So, how does the struggle against black elitism come into play with with <laughs> your experience, period, but also particularly politically? Well, um, I actually wrote an essay on black elitism. Oh, well, let's get to it. My, you my got a thesis. Year. Prepare, ready to go. <laughs> Sources and point one because <laughs> I just pull it out. <laughs> but um, black elitism on Howard campus is a very, very big thing. A lot of our students actually came from I forgot what the, the organization is called, but it's like Jack and Jack Jill. And Jill. Yeah, we have a lot of Jack and Jill kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Jack and Jill kids. I was in it for a year, and I was like, I can't do this. Shit. Even at fourteen, I'm like, oh nah. The I went Jack on a little ski kids, trips though. I like, can't lie. end up kids. also being in like. Howard politics, right? Because a lot of times with Howard politics, it's like if you know somebody, mm-hmm. then you're probably going to end up being like in charge. Mm-hmm. And um, people like to like frame themselves as very radical to get a lot of like the votes or whatever, and it it doesn't end up coming out that way as most political mm-hmm. uh, processes in <laughs> yeah, the past. Yeah. But um, a lot of the times, the main issue that I see with like the black elitism on Howard's campus is that people refuse who are actual like a part of the elite class refuse to acknowledge it like mm-hmm. they um a lot of the kids that we've talked to about jack and jill because a lot of us kids that came from like lower middle class like poor mm-hmm. families mm-hmm. we we have a lot of critiques about them and the kids they kind of it's a lot of shifting of like blame mm-hmm. so they're like it's not my fault that my parents were wealthy and put me in this like this has nothing to yeah. do with Th- me that I sounds have... familiar yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's a main issue with like attempting to like organize and actually attempting to have them um, not necessarily take blame, but take blame because yeah. it's or like accountability because you yeah, change the language like responsibility. Right? Yeah, because yeah. it's just like um, and it happens. It stems even not even just with the um, the black elites. It's also just a lot of things that people have like removed themselves from accountability with. For example, whenever. Um, the the strikes happened in Iran and people were like you know making their jokes and stuff and mm-hmm. cracking jokes World on Twitter yeah, yeah, and then yeah. people were like that's extremely disrespectful you shouldn't be doing that and there was a specific tweet that I saw I don't remember who tweeted it and even if I did I wouldn't say it um mm-hmm. she she said like how are you guys gonna get mad at us for cracking the jokes like I'm a a regular person from a regular city I didn't do it and it's like okay, just because you didn't directly do it doesn't mean that it's okay for yeah. you to like mm-hmm. make jokes but about By this. that logic, white people can make fun of Trayvon Martin or lynching. Yeah. I didn't they, shoot him. Yeah. Like, no, like, that's not... And like, that's not okay. And I feel like people need to start taking responsibility and holding themselves accountable for the participation that they have in the black mm-hmm. elite class instead of like making it to where... Have, like kind of creating a disconnect between them mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. they're benefiting from. Yeah, I think... Um, 
I'm not even finna lie. Like when I when I was like at the dissenters training and I was like, they were like, all right, you're gonna have to take this back to your campus. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, how oh and it's like a lot of people, a lot of other people who were at the dissenters trainer had multiple people from their campuses mm-hmm. and kind of with me, it was just me. And I well, I've only been here a short amount of time, but what I've seen, I there's a general understanding that like war is bad, right? But I hadn't seen a lot of people who were act like passionate about organizing around this so i was like yo like this might be tough like i don't know if people are really excited about this mm-hmm. work um this that and the other there's also like a lot of elitism on campus i think when i coming into howard i was like so i grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood in chicago it's austin like everybody's black mm-hmm. in that neighborhood mm-hmm. it's one of it's one of the neighborhoods that is like has the least amount of like in terms of concentration of resources and wealth it's it's yeah. at its bottom tier yeah. <laughs> and um and then i went to a, a, a very diverse high school um 25%, 25%, 25%, you know, mm-hmm. sold itself mm-hmm. on diversity. You yeah. know, where's the most diverse school? The next, Michelle Obama went here. Michelle Uh-oh. Obama went to my, you know, yeah, you yeah. know, we're the best school. Blah, blah, blah. And that was really a culture shock. All right, me. you went to Winnie Young, right? Yeah, Winnie okay, That true, was true. really a culture shock for me, going from this predominantly black neighborhood, uh, very under-resourced schools, to going into this very diverse um, setting. And I learned a lot, right, um, was, was educated on a lot of my biases that I had. And you know, even became into organizing during that time. And so mm-hmm. when it was time to decide where I wanted to go to school, I was like, yeah, mm, this was nice. I want to go back with my people. Yeah, <laughs> HBCU yeah. it is. Right. Um, and so it, it, when I was like, okay, I want to go to Howard, I was expecting like, yo, I'm going to go here. Like, this is going to be a lot of black solidarity, radical mm-hmm. blood, blah, blah, blah. and that stuff, it does exist. It does mm-hmm. exist it, within Howard. Right. But I was shocked immediately by the amount of elitism that was present, right? I think a lot of folks think because um, that we're all black, Mm -hmm. that like these other issues of like classism can't exist and they coexist all the time, right? right? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of folks, a lot of folks just are are really like just classes when you Mm -hmm. break it down and and Mm -hmm. they don't recognize it and they refuse to recognize it, right? As a system of oppression, right? Uh Like they they think that class is just happenstance. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like we we, we all black, right? We on the same field. Um, And like, it's kind of similar to how like folks think like, I don't know, it's weird. Like a lot of folks idolize black capitalists like Jay-Z, right? Mm -hmm. And we see a lot of that on campus and I, I see a lot of like, how he operates and how these people, uh, how Howard people operate because they're like, yo, I'm black, like I'm for the people, right? right. And it's like, uh, skin folk and kin folk, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just a random example, but like, fun fact, Kamala Harris went to Howard University, right? Right. And Howard University is very, <laughs> <laughs> and Howard University is very big on no matter what your politics are. If you went to that university, right. they will support you. Right. They will. They will be like, yo, she went here. She's right. great. <laughs> yeah. Um. And a lot of like I like this kind of classism, mm. um, elitism really started to jump out like in terms of like she's such a good example of what we're talking yeah, about yeah uh, she's a direct net like folks are like oh my gosh she went to Howard like she can't be problematic like yeah. what like um and so a lot of uh, then that's when I saw a lot of like before then but like then is when I saw a lot of like classism and elitism jump out and folks are like supporting people just because they're black right mm-hmm. and not recognizing that they can be black and still oppressive to black people mm-hmm. right in terms of like you know jay-z being a very classist mm-hmm. uh person as he is a black billionaire right mm-hmm. can't really relate to us anymore um and so yeah i say all that to say that there's a lot of elitism on campus and it makes it really 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 hard to organize people when i found when i like was exposed to all this elitism i told myself immediately that 
this is really sad, but I told myself that I didn't want to get involved with any campus orgs because right. a lot of them are mm. centered around elitism. Right, right, like right, even right. the organizing ones that yeah. are like, and even the ones that are like, you know, you know, a model, like model, you know, organization or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, a lot of these organizations are centered around elitism. And I was like, yo, that's, this, that's not what this work is about, right? Yeah. A lot of folks get into this work um, and it's about the title for them, right? right. It's about yeah. the fact that, you know, I'm the president of this club or I'm a this, this, and this, mm -hmm. or, and, and the work- Resume builder. Yeah, and it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really show that they're doing this work for people outside of themselves. Right. So right. yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Cool, so so we gotta wrap up. I have like uh, one final question um, as I'm just so, I'm just meeting two of y'all, but I'm just like so proud of y'all and excited to be in this conversation and be, you know, documenting some of this time. Um, we talked about a little bit like the challenges or limitations and we, you know, we got a little bit to some of the structural theories type stuff, but uh, what are the exciting opportunities that y'all see? Um, whether it's like right now on like a semester to semester mm -hmm. lens or like what this will mean for your lifetime. Cause I know, and I already see how transformational this will be mm -hmm. and how you will look back on this in 10 years. Uh, but for y'all in the midst of it, what is exciting and what, what are, where are the opportunities that, that, invigorate y'all for i want to go first for me specifically um this is kind of weird but i see the opportunities specifically at howard with all the um problems the campus has i know it's weird to say these problems are opportunities yeah, but that's organized language. Organize yeah. 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 Like, there's so many issues that are just being unsolved and it's like very clear like y'all should be organizing and doing this to solve this but nobody's really taking action taking steps and i feel like just by um us and uh, us possibly organizing around that is how like people really get invigorated because then they really see the change happening mm -hmm. and affecting them very directly mm -hmm. like when the some when something gets fixed in their building oh wow this protest did that now i'll go protest at the next protest yeah. and just build and build and build sure, sure. yeah yeah was, oh do you want to talk yeah about go ahead oh well um it's also the fact that like i don't want to say that like no one's doing like doing anything because you know that's a little dismissive um especially because like howard um the student body has been known for like they do um rally about like issues specifically that face the campus and i feel like going off of what nazir said we can use the fact that like these things directly directly affect them and how they've noticed that like it's made slight changes if changes at all because you know howard still doesn't like doing stuff for people um it can like be able to create a bigger community because you know who that you can talk to based off of like uh, uh, prior things that have happened because mm -hmm. we have whole organizations that were like formed out of protests yeah. that mm -hmm. uh, prior people yeah. have done right. um so it's it really let lets you know like the who's who yeah. and who you can actually rely on when it comes to organizing True. and making a big change mm -hmm. yeah um i'll just say that a lot of people at howard think and just in general that um, you can't love your university and hold it accountable at the same time. Mm. And that's very false, mm. right? Um, I'll just speak specifically just a little bit to, to about dissenters. It makes me really, like kind of exactly what Nasir was, said was what I was going to say, like, there's so much fuck shit happening, right? <laughs> the 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 like Howard University just announced a new deal with the army, right? Mm -hmm. A new partnership, right? We have the big five defense companies deep, deep, deep within our campus, right there mm -hmm. and all that. And that's some fuck shit. Yeah. But that is opportunity that right. excites me to be able to say, we don't want this on our campus. We don't need this. Um it, it's a lot of 
like there's a lot to organize around and mm-hmm. it might sound tiring but it, it makes me happy that there mm-hmm. is something that you know because i'm doing this at, at the end of the day i want to better the university it's not because i dislike this university yeah. but i love this university so i'm gonna hold it accountable accountable yeah. you know yeah. um and yeah that's what i'll say about that that's 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 really dope uh you know ergo we, we we gotta wrap up but we go around the campuses from time to time and uh one of the things we've said from our own experience but from you know dealing with young folks who are particularly like discontent with the space uh, is that recognizing the opportunity that there is is likely that never again in your life will you have as much power within mm-hmm. an institution with so many resources, right? Yes, like once you get to work in your job, you do not have the same voice as a student who's on campus. They, they are uh, uh, beholden to the student body in a way that other institutions are not mm-hmm. beholden to their constituents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have like a little bit less risk uh, and, and a lot more opportunity is really exciting to see y'all stepping into that power. Um, and so everybody tune in to We Are The Dissenters, right? That's the, yep, the handles. Yeah, We Are Dissenters. We are dissenters, and folks can start up this work at different campuses potentially, right? Yes, 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 yes. Um, we want to get this. We are dissenters on as many college campuses as possible, especially like these top Ivy Leagues that yeah. have like millions in endowment and like large, billions. large billions, <laughs> yeah, yeah. trillions, yeah. Uh, unimaginable <laughs> amounts of money. And so it's yeah. we are dissenters.com. We are dissenters.com. We are dissenters on Twitter. We right, are dissenters right. on Instagram. Anywhere else you or y'all work like to be found? Any other handles or social media stuff for folks to follow? I'm not going to plug myself. All right. right. Uh, I'm at Damon underscore AF. I'm also, we're also at Ergo Radio on all platforms. Check us out. Uh, We will be back as always, showcasing strong voices, reshaping our world for the more equitable and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Hey, Damon. What's up, Kiss? I want you to meet my friend Miriam here. Hey, Miriam. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Miriam is my oldest friend in the world. The whole world. And she is a devoted podcast listener. Are you? I am. Oh, well, that's love. I don't even just, I don't mean our podcast. I just mean podcasts in general. Okay. I love podcasts. How, how do you usually find your podcast? What do you listen to them on? <sighs> the iTunes mm. app. Yeah, I know. Very basic. You're not thrilled with it? It isn't the best. Well, the good news is we actually have a recommendation for you. Oh, yeah? Well, Ergo is sponsored by Overcast. It's an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. Man, it's for the people. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it free in the App Store where you get all the other things. That yeah. You, you going to check it out? Sounds amazing. Cool. We won you over. Look how effective this ad is. <gasps> yeah. Pay, pay us more money, folks. <laughs> that's, that's advertising in action. You see? Works. See, that's how good we are at selling things. We're doing this. Hey, yo, Harold, hit me up, man. I am an advocate and I can market your stuff because look how great we just marketed Overcast. We just gave an ad for them and an ad for us. I think it's time to get the fuck out of here. Let's do it.